0: Welcome to the Healthy Tips Podcast, produced by the Better Living Institute and sponsored by AppJudo for your software needs, BulletPad for writing lists on your iPad, and also sponsored by our listeners. That's folks like you. We're Kira and Bill Van Ittersom, and welcome to today's show. Today we're talking about sunscreen pros and cons.
1: Well, hello, everyone. And that's a very timely topic since this is the end of June 2015, and summer is well on us, and sunscreen is a very important ingredient to get outside. If you listened to our last podcast, the ultraviolet radiation in your skin, then you'll know that the ultraviolet can be quite extreme at times. And that there is an index that's published by the EPA called Sunwise. And you can go online every day that you have some outdoor activities and actually see what your index will be for that day.
0: That's right. And you know, this year I'm already seeing a lot of people who have already developed some pretty nice deep tans and others, unfortunately, with some pretty nasty sunburns. <laughs>
1: We were at the local parks, Little Water Spray Park last week, and there were some kids there with some pretty red skin. There was also some grandmas slathering on the sunscreen on their little ones, so we enjoyed seeing that quite a bit.
0: Now, there are some cons, and I think we'll cover some of those considerations first. People are worried about some of the ingredients and some other factors regarding sunscreens. Some dermatologists agree that some ingredients can be worrisome, and there are others who think that FDA-approved ingredients are perfectly safe. So we just want to cover a few of the things that we've discovered in our research and help to kind of dispel the major fears about sunscreens.
1: Now, there's three separate areas here that are really under concern. The first is all the products that are manufactured by the typical sunscreen industry. I'm not going to name names, but the basic big players on the block who manufacture most of the retail products of sunscreen. And then you would have the natural product manufacturers, and they're a lot smaller per company, and they put out fewer items. Then there are people who believe that if you eat a certain kind of diet, you may not need sunscreen at all because your body will be able to protect its own skin from the ultraviolet rays based on what's happening within your body and the fact that you're not eating some of these harmful and toxic substances.
0: We like to kind of play in all ballparks (laughs) and cover all the different areas with the knowledge that we've accumulated.
1: So within the primary sunscreen manufacturing group, there are some products that some of the natural people don't like. The first one on the list is retinol palmitate. Well, retinol palmitate is a combination of retinol, which is pure vitamin A, and that's used by the body. That's combined with palmitic acid, and that makes retinol palmitate. There are studies that have indicated that retinal palmitate, when exposed to sunlight, has shown cancerous growth or contributed to tumors. Now, unfortunately, the studies are not conclusive. And in some cases, the studies were not even a topical application of this retinal palmitate product.
0: In some cases, actually, some of the animals were injected with this ingredient or they didn't just use it on the surface of their skin. They were sometimes also fed this ingredient. So it's kind of hard, like Bill said, to actually determine whether just putting it on your skin would create the same problem. Also, in many cases, it would have to be placed on the skin in huge amounts in order for them to have the same amount of it inside of them. So there is some controversy about that, and a lot of dermatologists fall on the side of thinking that it is quite safe. Many skincare
1: product suppliers also have used this in their lotions for many, many years just to help treat the skin and keep it younger-looking and supple, not even thinking about the sunburn issue or the blocking of ultralight issue.
0: Right. This particular ingredient really isn't necessary to block the sun, but it does help to keep your skin younger and keep it from aging. So,
1: Although it has been shown to have some sun-blocking properties once it's absorbed into the skin. This is, again, where part of the controversy comes out. It is readily absorbed. Well, the next product on the hit list for some of the natural practitioners is oxybenzone. This is a product that helps get the sunscreen to fall deeper into your layers of skin. There are some reports that link oxybenzone to interact with your hormones and interact with some of the other chemicals within the skin and possibly even cause DNA damage. But again, the reports are not conclusive. There hasn't been enough study to really totally prove that, yes, damage results, yes, DNA damage results in particular, and yes, hormone damage can lead to cancerous cell creation. So again, that's something that if you're in a very allergic position with your own skin, you may be wanting to seek products out that don't contain retinol palmitate, that don't contain oxybenzone.
0: Right. (laughs) Now, another area of concern with sunscreens is what are being called nanoparticles. These nanoparticles that are in sunscreens are in what we call mineral sunscreens. These are physical barriers to the harmful UV rays. And the most effective blocking minerals are zinc oxide and titanium dioxide that are ground down to these tiny little particles. And some people are concerned that these particles may actually be so small that they can enter the body, causing some health problems.
1: Right. You know, in the past, they actually were larger, kind of almost like baby rash ointment. You know, (laughs) think desitin or whatever. And you put it on your baby and then you put a nice diaper on them. And of course, nobody sees that big white chalky stuff. But nobody wanted that big white chalky stuff on them when they went out in the sun. So, wait, <laughs> hey, what to do, what to do?
0: Unless you were the lifeguard, you always wore it on your nose to Oh, absolutely!
1: <laughs> but somehow science figured out how to grind it finer and finer and finer. And then voila, nanoparticles.
0: So a lot of the natural people don't like the idea of having this on their skin. They're afraid it might get into their system and somehow create some health problems. This is an area of concern, but studies have shown that these particles don't actually get in through the skin, and the FDA tends to agree with those studies. So these products don't have to even list on their labels that they contain these nanoparticles.
1: But again, you could buy a fully what we would call natural product. They would not have nanoparticles at all, However, it would be a lot chalkier, and it would be a lot more like a zinc oxide type product, like, again, a diaper ointment. And that's a perfectly wonderful sunscreen, but it's not going to be like hidden looking, you know, (laughs) or pure skin looking when you put it on. Mm
0: -hmm. There's also the concern that sunscreens may break down. We don't really know what would happen to them if they do break down. So people have that concern also.
1: And of course, some of the chemicals that have been added to sunscreens, in addition to the oils and things that emulsify them, are chemicals that help keep them from breaking down. These can be on a lot of different people's healthy hit list, if you will.
0: Exactly. And some people have a lot of allergies. This can be a great concern to them, especially when you're talking about children. We need to be very concerned about the kinds of things that are included.
1: We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the SPF sunscreen rating. So we'll be back in a sec.
0: Time to thank one of our sponsors. Today's show is sponsored by BulletPad, the fun and intuitive app for writing outlines and organizing your thoughts on your iPad. With Bulletpad, you can quickly create a hierarchical list of bullet points, giving structure to your great ideas. Bulletpad is an outstanding tool for writers, thinkers, and folks like you. Begin organizing today. Get Bulletpad for free. Just go to the App Store on your iPad and search for Bulletpad. And we're back. Now, we do want to tell you a little bit about this Sun Protection Factor, FPF. It's an acronym. We think in a lot of cases, Bill and I have looked at this and we think it can be really misleading. So we wanted to sort of clarify what it means. I read that sun protection factor means you should have whatever number that is times the time that it takes you for your skin to normally turn red. So for example, if it takes your skin 10 minutes to turn red in the sun and you put on an SPF 15 protection lotion, then you would have 15 times that 10 minutes before your skin would turn red. That's 150 minutes, which translates to two and a half hours. Bill and I both think that's pretty excessive for an SPF 15 solution. That's a long time to be in the sun without turning red or without reapplying your sun lotion.
1: You want to make sure that you're also looking at the ultraviolet index or the UV index that can be found at the SunWise website. Because one thing that the SPF doesn't tell you is that that's at UV index 3 or UV index 5. Exactly. So if you're in the middle of the summer, even if you're in Southeast Michigan, your UV index is 9 most of the days right. if it's a sunny day. If you're in Texas, it's UV 11.
0: So the intensity of the sun alone will make this sort of nil and void, I think. (laughs) Another thing is, say for example, it's FPF 50. That would be eight and a half hours. Can you imagine putting on a sunscreen, going out in the hottest sun, the most intense time of the day, going for eight and a half hours without worrying about your skin? So we think this is just ludicrous, the way they've explained this SPF. There's a better way to see it, we think.
1: So, the way that SPF has been tested by dermatologists is that SPF 15 protects against 93% of the UVB rays. So, again, if you correlate this with the UV index and the intensity of those rays, you can then get a better idea of how much protection you need and at what time of the day. So, an SPF 30. Protects against 97% of UVB rays, and an SPF 50 will protect against 98% of UVB rays. Now, that's another curious thing because over the years, the manufacturers have kind of wanted to ratchet us up as a customer and buy a 50 because we really want to protect our families, right? And we really want to treat our children the best. So we'll pay the extra money for the 50, but look at it. If you're getting 1% more protection, is it really worth that extra money? And of course, these days some of the manufacturers, not all of them, some of them are actually promoting an SPF 70. Well, in the new language from the FDA, they're not even going to allow manufacturers to say SPF 70, but that language has not yet been adopted. And so some manufacturers are still saying it.
0: You know, these numbers don't really translate to what's true about the product. As Bill said, you're getting 1% better coverage with the SPF 50. It's going to be very hard to prove any more coverage than that.
1: So, so most dermatologists are actually recommending to stay with SPF 30+. plus. That's the normal way that is presented on the package and that that is about as much as you're really going to get out of a product, and it's really wasting your money to pay for something more. Now, the truth of the entire matter is that you should wear a fairly thick covering of any of the sunscreens that you should put on. You know, don't skimp when you're putting it on and pretty much lather it on or use it right out of a bottle or right out of a tube. Try not to use the spray products. There's various reasons why they're not effective. One, of course, is they don't lay down enough coverage at any one time. Another reason is that children tend to squirm a lot when you're putting it on them so the sprays can get in their eyes or they can be inhaled by them. None of the dermatologists think that that's a good idea.
0: Right. Now we've covered pretty much the cons about sunscreens. We want to get into what the pros are.
1: That's right, Kara. We are going to talk about the pros. But first, we need to take a quick break for our second sponsor. And when we come back, we'll talk all about the pros of sunscreen, of which there are many. So we'll be right back.
0: Also sponsoring our show today is AppJudo, your complete web and mobile application development service. AppJudo uses the best technologies and computer science principles to build attractive and intuitive user interfaces that your customers will easily understand and love to use. Whether you want to design and build a new app or refactor and redesign an existing app, App AppJudo can help make your project a success. Visit AppJudo today at www.appjudo.com. And we're back. Now, first on our list of pros is protection from damaging rays. This has actually been proven. It is protection against UV rays, particularly against sunburn. This is critical in preventing skin cancer. Sunscreens have been proven to reduce the risk of skin cancer.
1: Primarily because they block the UV rays and they do prevent sunburn. So, if you want to see how effective sunscreens are, Go on to Google and look for sunburn images, as far as a category, and you will see quite a bit of different sunburns. And you will see where people have actually written on their body and spelled words out that stay light-colored skin with the rest of the surrounding areas being very red and very angrily burnt. And what they've done is they've applied these letters by using sunscreen <laughs> So, that helps to show you how effective the sunscreen is. Sometimes, also, people will show you sunburns where they were ineffective in actually applying the sunscreen, and so the areas where it was applied properly, they had nice colored skin, and the areas it wasn't, they had angry red burns.
0: So, how should it be applied? Well, dermatologists say that this really is the biggest danger with sunscreens is that they're not being used enough and they're still being considered safe. What they want you to understand is that you have to apply quite a bit of it, as Bill mentioned earlier. It has to be applied properly in order to really be effective. So you need to use at least two ounces, and they say that's about a shot glass full, and you need to spread a product that's at least an SPF 30, thoroughly across all of your exposed skin. And then they also want you to replenish that every two hours because it does get rubbed, washed, and perspired away. You can't really prevent that. And there's no such thing as a waterproof sunscreen.
1: So don't pay extra money for that on a bottle. So think 50, 70 plus and waterproof is waste of your money. Right. (laughs) The real danger in all of the controversy surrounding sunscreens is not using them (laughs) and not using them enough. So even products that some of the natural people don't like from the commercial side of sunscreens are better than getting a sunburn.
0: Right. And almost every dermatologist will agree that if you use an FDA approved brand, you're going to be pretty safe. One out of three cancers diagnosed worldwide is a skin cancer. So skin cancer is on the rise. And the benefits of using sunscreen far outweigh the risk because of this. Up to 95% of melanomas are caused by excessive sun damage. Sunscreens have been proven to help a lot.
1: And just one really bad sunburn when you're a child could lead to skin cancer 50 years later. So do we really want to set that time bomb ticking in our body? I don't think so. And why do you want your little kids to be burnt? It's so painful.
0: Absolutely. And it can happen so quickly. There are some sunscreen watchdog companies out there that will kind of lead you towards some of what they feel are the safest products to use. And you can just Google sunscreen watchdogs and read some of that information if you have some real concerns about it. Here's what we do in our family. We use an SPF 30 sunscreen. This is the most recommended by dermatologists. And we stay out of the most intense UV sun rays. We just don't go out there when it's that bad. And when we do have to go out, we wear sunglasses and we also cover up. And of course, as Bill mentioned earlier, it's also important what you eat. We try to eat healthy, whole foods, and we use good oils, including olive oil and organic coconut oil in our cooking, and we also take a vitamin D tablet daily to help us. If you're covering your skin up in the sun and you're concerned that you won't be producing enough vitamin D, you can always ask your doctor if you think that's a concern. We do, and we take it on a daily basis.
1: So there you have it with the pros and cons of sunscreen. We hope that you've gotten enough information to alleviate some of your fears and to strengthen your resolve to at least put it on your little ones if they're out in the middle of the day. Some areas we don't recommend you even being out in the middle of the day, (laughs) as Kira said. But when they are out, we're hoping that you'll use it on them. And we're also hoping that you'll use it on yourself.
0: And I think that's about the end of our discussion on sunscreens for now. (laughs) That's right, Kira. (laughs) Before we leave though we do want to say that we're not healthcare providers and nothing that we say here should really be misconstrued as medical advice. It's not meant to treat, diagnose or prescribe anything. Everything that we share here is our own opinions and it's based on our personal research and our experimentation. So that is our show for today. Bill and I want to thank you for listening to the Healthy Tips podcast. To subscribe to our show, go to iTunes podcast and look for Better Living Institute the Healthy Tips Podcast. There you'll also find all of the podcasts produced by the Better Living Institute. The Book Talk Podcast, the Love Stories Podcast, the Happy Kids Podcast, the Happiness Experience Podcast, and today's podcast, the Healthy Tips Podcast. At the Better Living Institute, we're creating health, wealth, and happiness, one loving conversation at a time.
1: You can also find our podcast and view all of the great stories, photos, and links that we post by visiting our website at www.betterlivinginstitute.com. While there, please go to our contact page and leave us a comment. Kira and I encourage you to send us some feedback and also let us know if you have an interest in a specific health topic. You can also like and message us on Facebook. Just go to www.facebook.com forward slash Better Living Institute. In addition, our email address is feedback at Institute.com.
0: We hope you'll listen again next time and remember to share our show with your friends and family. This is Kieran Bill Van Ittersom for the Better Living Institute saying so long for now, everyone.